Okay. Dang. Okay, sweet. You can hear me. <laughs> it's like 5.30 in the morning here, so I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. Hopefully, I can make it work. <laughs> Why are you up so early? Because you asked me so nicely, and I just wanted to say, hey. <laughs> You're the best. <laughs> and what time do you normally get up? I'm just going to um, – at the moment, about 6.30. It just depends on – child and dogs permitting you know if they like to bark at something outside or something random but i've been i've trained myself to sleep till 6 30. and what time do you go to bed about nine o'clock and how many dogs do you have two and and, and one of them is a puppy right yeah he's like six months old he's a terrorist do you know brian no I not don't. really no. yeah we, hey. i don't think we've ever uh I don't yeah, think we've ever met. I think I'm not trying to think if we've even ever been at the same competition before. I don't know if that was, I don't know if that gave you, I was like saying you should talk, Brian. <laughs> 2018 games is probably the only competition that we've ever been at together at the same time. And oh, I did, you know, I didn't do any work with you that year. No. So nice to meet you. Brian looks like a human being, but really he's a, uh, a hum- an encyclopedia of games knowledge. Oh, really? And we he met on Instagram. Oh, man, he knows, more than, he knows more than anyone knows. He knows more than he knows. <laughs> and, uh, and we met on Instagram, and, and I've been courting him ever since. <laughs> it frees up a lot of space in my brain because then I don't have to remember all that amazing stuff he knows. Oh man, um, Maddie's so, the same. He knows all of the all of the random like facts and the workouts. I'm like, man, as soon as it happens, I forget it. And Maddie's your husband. Yeah. And you have one husband. I do, yeah. <laughs> and two dogs. And how many kids and how many kids do you have? Just one right now. Just one. I I thought you just had one, but I, I in a couple shots I saw two babies. Like like I saw you training um and there were uh, two babies in like the in the kid jail thing. Yeah, um, I've been training at Zeke Grove's gym and he's got two little kids. So there's always like, yeah, there's a little kid's jail and then there's always small people in there from either his or mine or somebody else's in the gym. So they just like, yeah. And from the sound of your voice, I'm going to guess you're Australian. I am, yes. And um, tell me about the ci- tell me about the city you're in. Are you allowed to leave your house for more than two hours a day? What city are you in? Yeah, um, I'm on the Gold Coast now. So I was I've lived in Brisbane my whole life, and then in November we moved down to the Gold Coast, which was like just over an hour south on the and um, yeah on the coast. And it's feels like almost like nothing's wrong here. We're super lucky. Like life is kind of just ticking over as normal. We can go out pretty much anywhere, you know, gyms are open, like there's nothing. We go to the beach, we can go to cafes, there's no masks at the moment. There obviously have been like periods of time that are a little bit stricter and a little bit weird, but on the Gold Coast it's been like super relaxed. God, I love hearing that because you you know how the media works. The media just makes us think that Australia has lost its fucking mind. No, there's like there's like Victoria and that's pretty much it. And then um, there's, I mean, the country as a whole, like not being able to leave, like we're pretty much like, hey, you just can't leave the country. So um, that is crazy. That is like ridiculous. But then 
like in the States, everything's pretty like from what I've seen of other people overseas, like we kind of just like go about our day. Um, so it's a bit bizarre. Yeah. It's really bizarre here too. Uh, one at the same night that we had the world's largest indoor boxing match with 73,000 people packed into a stadium with no masks. Our president was telling us we have another month or two of like full masks and lockdowns. And it's just like, dude, like what is it split politically? Like it is, it is um, in the United States also, are people like wearing a mask based on like their political ideology? There, there's a portion of it. I think, like it- in gen- I think in general, like Australians are like pretty relaxed. Like you kind of know that everything's sort of like just a little bit more chill. Um, but there's definitely been at times when things were a little bit more heated, I guess, where people do feel um, a bit entitled, I guess. And, um, you know, they kind of want to send a message and they kind of want to tell everyone how they should or shouldn't do it, um, even when things were, um, you know, up to your discretion. So there's like there's and, – and, I mean, there's certain people too where like, you know, there's there's a lot of – if I see masks now, it's more so just that like certain elderly people who are a little bit afraid. And if they're kind of, they're kind of trying sure. to do the, they're kind of trying to do the right thing and they go by what they see on the news and they go to get their groceries and they put their masks on and they, they kind of don't bother anyone and just do their thing and they protect themselves in their eyes. And that's all they're worried about. And then for everyone else, like I don't, I don't, I can't remember the last time I saw someone in a mask now since the last time, you know, something went haywire but there was definitely i guess that little bit of a yeah uh like tension it's like tension between people going like you should wear a mask you shouldn't wear a mask or like i don't have to wear a mask and like no you have to wear a mask like you know people get really really strong and forceful about their opinions i the the way it here is in the united states for the most part i mean this is obviously a massive sweeping generalization but there's a group that wants everyone to wear the masks and there's a group that says hey let everyone do whatever they want to do. If you want to wear a mask, wear one. If you don't want to wear one, don't wear one. And, and then the gray zone is kids. You know, yesterday I went to a cafe and a lady walks up and she's not wearing a mask and her, her two-year-old daughter's wearing a mask and she walks up to us and she's just a typical shy two-year-old girl. And the mom looks at me and my three boys and says, and of course we never wore a mask during this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And she says to us, Oh, I'm sorry if my daughter's acting weird. She hasn't seen other kids or really been out of the house in over a year. And I'm just like, holy shit. No. It's it's crazy, hey. Like, my daughter's two, and I kind of, I can't, man, I could barely put, like, a sweater on that girl, let alone get a mask on her. Like, you know, she's going to have a meltdown because she just doesn't want to wear clothes. Um, But Yeah, clothes are silly. Pointless or two. They're ridiculous. Especially if you're but, in Australia on the Gold Coast. Yeah, exactly right. And I'm just the worst person in the world for trying to put them on her. But um, Clothes was, are pointless for you on the Gold Coast too, yeah, that's, so you know my that, opinion. That's true. <laughs> we, um, it's funny though, like she goes to daycare two days a week now, um, mainly because we don't have any other children. We're real busy and it's like really good for her socialization and stuff like that. She absolutely loves it at this age. And in the peak, when we had like a really big setback with COVID and it was, um, you know, everything was a little bit stricter, you know, we couldn't go into the facility and drop her off without masks. So we had to sanitize at the door and we had to put a mask on to walk into the facility. But none of the children wore masks in there and they all like put their fingers in each other's mouths and noses and share drink bottles and do anything. And then they come home back to us again and then... 
I'm like, it's just crazy. They're like sneeze all over each other. It was, it's, I think the, the biggest thing for us here is just being there's like, there's never been any consistency. You know, it's just that like, well, how come it's like yeah. that? Or, and you know, Matt's a firefighter. And so they were like, Oh, you have to wear, he, he was working in Brisbane and there was an outbreak, a break, ugh, outbreak in Brisbane at one point. And they were like, he can't come in. He can't drop her you know, at daycare and until this period of time. And he has to wear a mask in the car on the way home from Brisbane. And I'm like, (laughs) and I I said, you realise he's coming home and sleeping in my bed next to me, with me, and then I'm going to walk her in. And I'm like, I'm going to kiss him. We're going to cuddle. I'm going to like going to be all over him. I'm like, it just makes no sense. You may even do more than kiss him. You may even do more than kiss him. Look, look, if he's lucky, we might. (laughs) Some some organization in the UK gave guidelines on positions that were safer than other positions for COVID spread. Did you see that? It was amazing. No. It was like dead serious. It was amazing. I was like, holy shit, you can only do it doggy style in the UK. I'm moving. <laughs> I'm moving. Hey, if it's in the news, it's real. Yeah. Um, when, when uh, for those of you who don't know, um, and I'm sure everyone does know who's listening, in my, in my opinion, and and I'm sure Brian has an opinion on this too. Car Sounders is the most dominant CrossFit Games female athlete in the history of the world outside of her uh, colleague in the same country, her countrywoman, Tia Toomey. Um, there's clearly years that I think it was, was it 2014 you had your injury at the Games? Yeah. And, and she, I don't, I think she was on track. I think. At the time she pulled out, you could even look at the numbers and she basically could have sat out a couple of the workouts and still won the CrossFit Games. Do you, do you have the numbers on that, Brian? Sorry, we didn't prep for this, but I always just drop <laughs> bombs on Brian and see what he's got. No, I, I don't have the exact numbers of uh, her, her, her points relative to the field when she had to withdraw. I think it was on the Sunday morning event. But um, you know, I always, right when I talk about her as a potential contender to win the games now, I always reference the fact that she would have been the fittest, fittest woman on earth in 2014 if she were able to finish the competition. Do you, do you know how many points you were ahead when you pulled out? No, I don't remember the exact points. I remember like the situation. So I'd like been in the lead from day one. It was like the only year I'd been in, I'd held the leader's position from day one all the way through to that point. Um, and I went into the Sunday morning event and it's where the injury I'd been kind of like managing and hadn't given me grief so far to that point. Um, it blew up on the Sunday morning event and, um, I like almost just couldn't do the event. It was all over the place. It was a disaster. And then, um, I had, it was a neck injury, right? Yeah. So I compressed the nerve, um, like through my neck and, um, so we ended up what what ended up kind of pushing me over the line was we had handstand walking in those unbroken sets and an overhead lunge, but the handstand walking putting weight on the one bad side on its own and not having the support of my other arm was just too much and I kept like handstand walking like out of my box I like couldn't even walk straight and then it just I kept trying and trying and then my arm went numb again and it was just yeah it was over so um I I had to withdraw before the final. So there was the final um, Sunday event, which was totally my jam too. It was like heavy overhead squats and stuff. It was so good. Um, I remember when it, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I went out, I'd withdrawn and uh, 
I went out into the stadium and I was like, I'm going to be a good sport and not just like go cry in a room somewhere. I'm going to sit out here and cheer the final girls on and like be a part of it. And they announced the final and I just burst into tears. I'm like, I can't watch this. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, this, this is, I would have dominated this workout. I was like, I have to leave. I went and watched it in the tunnel. And um, yeah, so all I remember was somebody said to me, because the, the games team advised me to with, withdraw. I spoke to the medical team. They're like, you know, this could be something more severe, like could be um, more to do with the disc. It could, yeah, there's a lot of things that could have happened. You're in your early stages of your career. You're quite young. It's not really worth doing damage. So they told me to withdraw. They dropped me to like 31st place, which was like under the line. So it was like top 30 that were like doing it, you know, and that was the line that cut. So they dropped me immediately to 31st because I withdrew rather than giving me the points. So even if they said if later on, they said if I had to just walked out onto the competition floor and like touched the equipment, I think I would have placed like seventh and I wouldn't have, I didn't have to do any work. So that was like really disheartening to find out later um, that they had said like, no, we would like you to withdraw type thing. And I was like, you know, classic me. I'm like, I'll do the right thing, you know, like it's okay. And, um, but then, yeah, to be dropped to like 31st was like pretty gut wrenching because I'd like, I'd held the lead that whole time. And when you look back on history, it just goes, Oh, she came 31st and withdrew that year. Like it doesn't, it just kind of like disappears. And then, you know, you look at it too and you're like, you could look at what happens to the mindset of somebody who wins or, you know, that you change once you get a taste for the blood, you know, you like, you come after it. Like, how would I be as an athlete now if that had to happen? But then also, how would I be as a person now if that hadn't happened? Like there's, it's uh yeah it's one of those things but it, it is what it is I've, I've who won a- the games that year camille then i guess I, I guess the other question is is how would it have changed her life if you would have well that's if right. you would have won the games would yeah have- that's right <laughs> she should send you a thank you card i know i know it's crazy <laughs> like well no she doesn't talk to me she doesn't speak to me she because like she had a i posted i, I didn't um, speak to you either <laughs> I want you to go away. In 2018, I think it was at the regionals, I got interviewed and um, I said something. I was like all fired up at something. This like this reporter, journalist or whatever just had been like pressing me and Tia all weekend, like trying to get us to say something nasty about each other and it was getting really irritating. And I, um, I guess I let my guard down and I said something about like I referenced, you know, I've almost won one year, blah, blah, blah. Someone sent it to, it was, and I was heated. I never specifically named names or did anything. And, um, I was just passionate. Someone sent it or like Camille saw it and thought that I was like directly attacking her as though like I should have won and you didn't deserve to win when I said like, oh, I almost, I all but won. Like I pretty much won that year or whatever. And, um, she was like, nah. And she's which just, is fair. Which yeah. is fair. Yeah. And I was like, but, but in saying that, so I messaged her and I said, Hey, I totally understand how this video has come across. Um, when I've rewatched it back, um, this is like what happened. I just wanted to say, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from you. Like you won it. I pulled out. That's the way the cards fell. And she never replied, never spoke to me again. And I was like, I've done my part. I was like, I, I, it's a, that's, that's media and how people interpret it. And we're like along a far distance away. So you can't like really talk to someone in person and. I'm like, oh, look, I didn't mean anything by it. I'm like, this dude had just been pressing me and pressing me and pressing me. And then I was, I like kind of snapped and then I learned not to do that again. (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, 
I mean, the, the, the story is the story is the story. I mean, I understand how it might hurt her feelings, but the story is the story is the story. It's not, it's not your fault. It's not her fault. You, I mean, you show up at the games, you dominate. Um, she, I don't think there's anyone, if we said, hey, we're going to pick a workout out of the hopper, it's Camille at her best and Car Saunders at her best, who's going to win? You have a million dollars to bet on. I don't, no one bets on her. I mean, that's not, that's not your fault. That's not her fault. It's just, yeah, it's just how it two is. Different, yeah, it's just the two, it's the two different athletes. Yeah, yeah, that's Brian, right. Ryan, you look like, Ryan, you look like you're, you're digging for gold over there. What do you got? Uh, depending on the workout, I would bet on her. <laughs> There's a couple of workouts I thought from a favor in, and it was actually a little closer than I thought between um, Camille and Carl when she had to withdraw. The complication is the event prior to that was push-pull, which also demanded a lot of strict deficit handstand push-ups. And so Cara's placement on that was pretty poor, as assuming that it was affecting her to go from strict deficit handstand push-ups directly into a handstand walk, probably the two things that aggravated the most. So she mm-hmm. got points for both those events. It was just very you know, like 33rd and 37th place points relative to a bunch of top 10 finishes and everything else, obviously showing that she just wasn't at 100% for those movements. And, and, what, and what place did Camille take in the final event? Uh, after her, um, she took 12th and then 5th. The overhead squats wasn't actually the final. If you remember, they announced a second workout, Double Grace, and Cara's, that's probably why Cara's oh, yeah. going to yeah, tears because yeah, I was. bet that she would have also probably <laughs> yeah. won that one. It was Double Grace, and then it was like a rope climb overhead squat, I think. It was like a two-part situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking at the, the, the Torian Pro. That's where Cara did her semifinals. Um, she beat uh, the second place um, athlete who is world class, Laura Clifton, by 96 points, almost an entire event. And Cara took a first, a sixth, a first, a second, a second, and a first. Is that, Brian, is that the most dominating performance we saw from an individual in any of the semifinals? <clears throat> um. I let me, I'm just talking about women only. Yeah, sure, men, women. Car deserves to be compared to all of them. Uh, I think cats, dogs. There were there were a couple <laughs> other really good um, performances, but I feel like there was always someone else that was pretty close. I think that was probably the biggest gap between first and second, without having the numbers in front of me. How 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 was that semifinal for you? And how long had it been since? Is that your first competition back since you had a baby? No, so um, I did I did the Australian CrossFit Championships, which was one of the sanctioned events when my daughter was like 10 months old. Um, I think that was my first one back on the competition floor, um, and I won that, and that was – I'd already qualified for the Games for that year for 2020, but um, that was like another, another way that I thought I was going to have to do it. If I didn't expect to qualify through the Open. So um, I did that one, and then I did the Rogue Invitational, the online event, does it not quite the same as the online events? Like, don't they're just, just not the same. Although, in saying that, out of all the online events, the Rogue Invitational was legit. Um, that was, except having to do it in the middle of the night was not ideal um, because of our time change. But uh, that was gnarly. And then, yeah, this was my, I, you know, like I kind of like those ones. I was like, oh, they're in like the postpartum, like that first year. It was kind of like just finding my way back out there. I'm like, this sort of felt a little bit more like me. I guess, kind of, um, not having, you know, kid, little baby, having a child instead. So it was a good event. It was a really, really good event. They did, they stepped up 
they definitely stepped up because they ran that event before they turned it into a um, semi-final or a sanctioned event, and um, yeah, they did a really good job. It was it was fun. What? Why do you say that? Why was it a legit online qualifier? What? Why do you say that? The Rogue Invitational. Yeah. Oh, just the way that it was managed and like the way that the team executed it on the other side and the communication was just seamless. It was like someone was assigned to everything. Everything was so consistent and so fair. You know, like all the bullshit that you have in like all the online stuff where like they did like we saw it in this last one, you know, with the whole like Briggsy's region situation where like, you know, they're touching barbells, they're not touching barbells and blah, blah, blah. And things aren't clear. Like that just didn't happen. It was like, this is the rule. This is the box. You're this many inches from this side and this side. This is your barbell. We send you all of your equipment in a box. So everyone's using the exact same gear. Like everything was like, wow. it, it was, it, it was like, yeah, it was that it was run tight. They, like it was really good. And it was, it was easy. Did they also provide judges for that? Yep. So they provided a judge in your local area. So I had a judge assigned and then she had like one person that she would communicate with directly. And then I had to assign someone to do the, um, like the recording and that was Maddie and he was like my logistics guy. And then he had someone that he reported to directly, totally separately. And there was just never a doubt. Everyone always had someone to speak to, um, to ask any questions. Everything was like, it. I think it was probably, it was definitely, it was definitely hands down the most fair online competition. Like I, I hate, I hate competitions being about like strategy and like loopholes like that. It's like my pet peeve. All I want to do is turn up and fucking throw down and go, who's the best? Like, you don't want to think about all of the other stuff. Like, I hate that. And this just felt a little bit more like that. It was like, there is no way to cut corners or do this and that. It's just go. Like, there's, you face that way, you turn that way. Like, everyone's equipment was the same. Like, and um, so it felt like I placed third in that. I think um, I was, uh, gosh, how old was Scotty? I don't even know. It was May. She was maybe like, she was little anyway. And, um, I think it was May. So she might've been one or around one. And, um, I felt like it was just, it was a really fair representation of where I was at, like working hard in a really fair environment and, um, yeah, no, no discrepancies. No, it was good. It was good. I could, I couldn't really speak high more highly of it. And, and the caliber of athletes competing was very good as well. It was, yeah, yeah. It was such a good opportunity for me because I could really see where I was at against, like, the girls that I'm normally against, you know. Like, I think Tia won it. I think maybe Sarah came second. Um, yep. You know, you still had, like, a lot of the other top girls that I normally – that I would have last competed against in, like, say, 2018. So, um, yeah, it was, Seven, it like, was a legit like this, competition. This you really like that's the interesting. By, that's interesting, by the way. Let me throw one comment out there, and then I'll give it to you, Brian. Uh, that's interesting that Sarah took second because I think she also falls in this unique category that only you and her fall into, of two very, very dominant female athletes that we just for some reason haven't seen go all the way. But if there's two women that definitely, I would have guessed, would have won the games by now, it would be you and Sarah. Sorry, Brian. Go ahead. No, I was just. I just was looking at the lineup. I thought you you might enjoy. Uh, so it was Tia, Sarah, Cara, and then it was Jamie, it's Jamie Simmons. She's a games podium athlete. Laura Horvath, who's been second at the games. Sixth place is what I think you'd like, seven, was Carolyn Prevo in that event. Oh. And Carolyn Prevo was ahead of Amanda Barnhart, Haley Adams, Kristen Holta, Brooke Wells, Christy O'Connell, Sam Briggs, Katrin David's daughter was 13th. So it was a really stacked field in a 
is like I agree with Kara. It was about as good of an online competition as you could run, and that that result, doing it in the middle of the night, placing third against that field, um, was was the first thing that I, time I really saw a woman come back from pregnancy in, uh, in this modern era where we have a lot of girls doing that. And thought, wow, they can come back and be world class, like podium contenders at the games after having a kid. That was only ten months after your birth, Cara. I think it was maybe about twelve. I think I think she was born in May, and I think that competition was around May. So I think she was maybe just like she just turned one, or was almost about to turn one. And it was very like our Isn't... gym was kind of shut down. It was like right in COVID because I had to sneak into the gym in the middle of the night, <laughs> like midnight starts. Um, this is, this, I know this is a really broad question, but when you, after you had your baby, how long before you started training again? Did you take two months off, one month off? Like where you just do like walking? No, so I didn't, it was funny. A lot of people walk. That didn't feel good for me. So, um, I had, I started doing like breath work rehab, like regaining connection to my like deeper inner core, lying down, drawing my belly in, like just kind of, I get building that relationship back with my body again, like instantly that week. Um, I pretty much, it was just one day. I think I was standing out on my deck in the sun and I was like, Oh, I might start now. I just felt like I could. So I started just doing my breath work and then I would just go to the gym, probably even like a week or two later, Maddie would go to the gym and I would just go with him with Scotty. And, um, I would just like, I don't know. We'd just hang out, right? We were in like our maternity leave hanging out. We're in this love bubble, like oxytocin bloody everywhere. So we were like just hanging out and I would just go with him. And then, um, and I would just, then one day I was like, Oh, she was crying. And I had her strapped to me, like wrapped up on my chest. And I was like, I might just sit on the bike. And, um, I just sat on the assault bike and went really slow for like 20 minutes. And then I did that for like a couple of of maybe a couple of weeks and I did just like postural stuff. So pretty much almost instantly I just, when I say I sat on a bike for 20 minutes, like I'm talking like 45 RPM, like my kids on me, I'm trying not to sweat too much and make her sweaty. So like I was just chilling um, and just breathing. But that would have been like maybe week two. And um, and then I started just doing like postural accessories, you know, like really just like trying to reset my posture and reactivate muscles. So like a kind of like a warm up I did like from like week two, week three. And then um, it was, I took longer to do a lot of things, to do a lot of real things. I didn't do a workout, like a proper workout for probably three months, uh, maybe longer before I did an actual workout. But I was just doing like, you know, turn stuff back on, like positional warm up type stuff earlier. Um, like an air squat here an air squat there, one or two strict pull-ups here. Yeah. There, even like then that. I didn't do strict pull-ups or anything. Cause I had to wait for like my abs to kind of like repair. And I really wanted right. to take that time. Right. I didn't really like mess up my body long-term, especially if I wanted to compete again. Um, so like even the air squats were like, I would sit on a sandbag type thing, like hovering just above my air squat and do like breath work and move my pelvic floor and then slowly stand up. Like it wasn't even... Yeah, it definitely wasn't like sexy exercise, that's for sure. It was just, um, yeah, it was just. Did you ever start ble- bleeding again? Did you ever do anything where you're like, ooh, I pushed too hard? Oh, uh, no. Too hard? No, no, no. I, I never had any, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I ever aggravated anything like that where there was like any bleeding again for short. There was, I did a workout, I think probably the first workout I ever did had burpees and it was like burpees over the bar and, 
I think it was concept two bike and it was just like kind of intervals and I felt so good. I was so ready. I'm like, it's been months. I'm just like hanging for a workout. And, uh, after the burpees, I felt great during it. I ripped in, I went so fast. And then afterwards, later on, I had like a bit of tension in like, I guess it was my pelvic floor felt like a bit achy. And I was like, okay, it's too soon um, to go that hard. And that was probably like one thing I was like, okay, I got a little bit carried away and it's more of like how I'm going to feel later. I felt good during, but not later. And so I dialed it back a little bit and um, was much more controlled. And But I never had any like, uh, yeah, any kind of major setbacks or anything like that. And I did a lot of slow lifts. It was quite a while before I did like Ollie lifts. And then I pretty much, I pretty much didn't do a lot of things until the open that year. So I started that open 2020 mm, wow. at, at like four and a half months postpartum. And a lot of the movements in that open, I was doing for the first time, um, pretty much everything. And, um, yeah, because I'd done all the work and taken my time, like I just took ages and just didn't put any expectation on it. I was like, I don't know how this goes. This is the first time I've ever had a kid. I don't know how it feels. I was just like, I don't want to mess up my body forever. So I'll just like be really, you know, I'm like steady Sue. I'm like real careful. <laughs> so um I just like took my time. And then when when I got into the open, I was able to kind of unleash. And there was only like, you know, I was still bad at a lot of things. Don't get me wrong. Like they felt really bad. Um but there was the only thing that made me feel vulnerable. She took 12th the, place worldwide in that open. I Ooh. did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> the only workout Holy that cow. I, I, I felt like. Brian, do you have I, your mic pointed the right direction? You're so quiet today. <laughs> I, yeah, I do. Okay. All right. Sorry. Go ahead, Cara. Yeah. The only workout in that open where I felt quite vulnerable, um, that I didn't feel ready for was double unders, dumbbell squat and toaster bar. The combination of those th- three movements had me feeling a little bit distressed on the double unders. And I didn't, uh, that was the only time in my whole postpartum journey where I felt like really kind of stressed about my pelvic floor. And, um, I'm like way too proud. Like I definitely, I definitely didn't pee myself. I'm way too proud to pee myself, but I was like, I was holding on for dear life, just trying to do this workout well, trying to get through it. And it was like 20 minutes long or something. It was such a long workout on repeat. And that was the only thing. So I didn't do double unders again for months. I did like a lot more work and um, rehabby type stuff before I touched that again. I was like, I'm just going to, I'd only been doing like sets of 10 or something before that point. You're, you were 24 years old in 2014. You're 31 years old now. Mm-hmm. Can, can, can the 24-year-old Cara Saunders, Cara Webb, beat the 31-year-old Cara Saunders? Can the young one beat the old one? Is that what you're saying? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, ma'am. Oof. I don't know. I mean, Mm, no, I'm better. I'm better now. I'm definitely better now. <laughs> I'm definitely better now. I um sorry, Cara just... Webb. Sorry. You think you <laughs> yeah. hurt her feelings? Sorry, yeah, sorry. Um no, I mean that's a natural evolution. I should probably be getting better. I know a lot more now. Um it just depends on the things that change are not necessarily like you keep working harder and you keep getting better, but um like your priorities change. Like a lot of times I think half the reason like you look at Tia right and like she's just an animal she's just like so after it she like does everything in her life that she needs to do to dedicate to her her goal and um I'm like just not willing to do a lot of those things I'm like oh look I want to like hang out and chill and do stuff like that like I'm just not as like uh I'm like not I don't quite have that same fire like I I do but I don't like I yeah so it's just it just 
it depends on like what you want, right? Like I think if you want it, then you can kind of make it happen. Like if you really want it and you really do the things, you can kind of make it happen. But a lot of the times I'm like, oh, I probably just didn't want it as much. Is the baby a distraction? Oh, yes. And, and I don't mean that in a negative. <laughs> I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean just like factually. Oh, like 100%. She's worse now. Like as a baby, when they're little, it's hard work because you're like um, – fixing your body pretty much from like carrying a person and pushing them out. That takes time. Um, so that's the struggle and breastfeeding, right? Like huge demands. And so, but like mentally, like you can kind of keep showing up and they kind of stay in one spot and, um, you know, they go to sleep a lot more. And then now she's two and she's wild. She doesn't stay still. She jumps off everything. She wants snacks every 30 seconds. She wants to do what I'm doing. And like, so that's like way more, she's like a massive distraction. So you've got to like keep her safe, also not neglect her as her parent. You know, I don't want to just be like, go sit in the corner and, you know, just watch TV for two hours while I exercise. So I'm like super conflicted by that um, and forever striving for that balance of like, I wanted to see what I do and be a part of that and understand that like, because I think what I do is awesome um, and so I want her to like know that is kind of normal and I want her to be a part of it. But I'm also like, okay, it's my turn now. Can you just like, you have a turn, I have a turn. Like we're just juggling back and forth. Like it's hectic. Like if Maddie's around, it's a little bit easier because he can help like juggle her. We can do teamwork. But like when he's at work, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a massive distraction. I got If I go to the gym, I've got to pack like an insane amount of stuff to keep her entertained and keep her fed and you know, they have moods. So like some days she's really cool and she'll just sit there and say, go mommy. And she'll have a turn in between the other day. She's like, no. And we have to leave and go get a juice. So it's just, <laughs> mm. yeah. There's all these great women in the field. I'm going to presume that most of them know that they, they, they know they're vying for second place that Tia has it locked up for some reason though. I don't think that about you. I think that maybe you may be the only one who truly believes. Yeah, she's human. I can get her. Yeah. Look, I don't, I've never believed that I can't win. Um, oh, the only thing I, that I guess is like what I said before that holds me back is I'm just, I'm also super realistic about like how like all of the factors that have to come into play for a person to win you know you used to talk about like me and Sarah how like we like I truly believe that Sarah or I could win at any moment in time but there's something missing and it's not athletic ability so it's something outside of that you know and I think for me is like I have always had distraction I you know I've I know that CrossFit will end one day. So I've tried to never, ever sacrifice the rest of my life and how I'm like, you know, I do my business and my family. Like I was never not going to have a child, like, and put that on pause. I was like, I want to have a baby. I'm going to do that and then come back because, um, you know, like I just, yeah, it could have waited and then maybe I would have done better by now or I don't know, but like, I don't know. I kind of flow with like my intuition and stuff with what I want and I've just never been willing to, I'm not, I, I, please don't take that as though I'm saying Tia sacrifices her other life, but she obviously just has like, um, like different goals and wants and a fire for certain things that maybe I have a bit of a fire. My fire is divided a little bit more evenly in other areas. And, um, so like, that's probably like, they're real things, right? Like I train less, I'm interrupted more, maybe a little bit more tired, you know, get less sleep. I don't know. Like, you know, and that's, and that's all cool. And that was all my choice, right? Like I chose to have a child. So, um, 
that's not, that's definitely not anyone else's fault or anything like that. Like I wanted that and I'm super stoked with where I am, but you know, maybe that'll stop me from winning the games and whatever. It's not my everything. Would you, would you have liked to have her at the Torian Pro this year? Yeah, I was actually pretty bummed that her and Jamie both weren't coming because, um, I like value them as really good athletes and quite different athletes too. And, uh, even more so just for my mindset, um, to, to be alongside them and have to like grind a little. I think I would have had to definitely like grind and dig deep and, um, get a lot more uncomfortable than I had to get. Like I was definitely pretty comfortable at Torian. So, um, and I need to be pushed into that discomfort, um, because otherwise I will be a little bit too careful and just like cruise along. So, um, yeah, I'm not like as sort of cutthroat. So I was, I was really hoping that they'd be there and I would have that opportunity and that if I earned a spot to the games that it was like a little bit, like I had to sweat a little bit more on it. Um, but it was still like in saying that the competition was really fun. So we had all like the Aussie and Kiwi girls and everyone was like, it was probably the best vibe in a competition that um, I've ever had. Everyone was really relaxed and it was like actually enjoyable. Um, but yeah, it would have been really cool to have them, um, and yeah, be next to them, especially before the games. I was, you know, mostly curious if you, you know, I thought you might say something like that. I, I wonder, cause we talked to Noah Olson and he said that this past competition weekend, it just took him a couple of events to get like warmed up to being pushed that way. Do you think that's going to be a tough thing for you to turn on like day one of the games or are you just like excited for it and you think it'll come back right away? Classically, I've always been pretty bad at that. It's always taken me a little bit to ramp up. It depends on what the first event is. If we're out on the beach and we're in the water, I'm like, yeah, I'm at home. I'm, yeah, and then I'm good and I'm on really quickly. Um, but if it was like, it depends on the workout for sure, but it usually takes me a little bit to get going. Um, so yeah, and that's sort of, that's definitely a, a, a flaw of mine. Um, that I, it kind of gets a little bit too late that I'm trying to like accumulate points over the weekend to get a position rather than sort of being fiery at the start. I'm like a bit in preservation mode usually too. I'm like, oh, don't go too hard too soon. You know, don't want to blow out. It's a big weekend. Like, so that's kind of always been a bit of a, um, a flaw, a fault of mine, I guess. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping. So I think I'm going to go train with Dan Bailey for a little bit um, prior to the games and maybe if we do some workouts together or whatever, that might help me dust off the cobwebs a little bit because otherwise, yeah, I'm training at the moment. Like I'm in a rental because we just bought a new house and I'm in a single car garage with like a toddler and, you know, like just like this cramped little like terrible space and you just get like lost in your bubble. Like I barely get dressed properly most days. Sometimes I don't have shoes on and then you got to step out onto the big competition floor and be ready for like judges and all the kind of crazy stuff. So I kind of probably, I probably need to do a little bit of a simulation. Uh, but that's why that semi-final was, that was good. It was because it was a little bit more legit. It, um, it helped me to remember what it feels like. Why Dan Bailey? Isn't he a master's athlete? Yeah. So I can beat him. Okay. <laughs> I feel good about myself. <laughs> uh, no, he just, just, he's a, he's a good dude and he's like, takes in a, takes in an Aussie stray every now and again. And it's like a, yeah, it is just a, I don't know. I explained to Maddie, I just think he doesn't really have like a bad bone in his body. I feel pretty like chill just working out around him. It's like a good vibe and, um, awesome. but it also will like push me and stuff. So, 
Um, he's actually Scotty's godfather. So he, um, oh, yeah, super random. Wow. So I stayed with him back in 2017, maybe. He helped me out, like when I like left my old gym and he was like helping me write workouts, like f- before the, before I was on the podium for the first time. And, uh, yeah, he kind of took me under his wing and I stayed at his place. And, um, yeah, it was just a real good vibe. So I'm like, yeah, well, let's bring back those 2017 vibes because that was a good year. When, when do you come out? So I'm trying to um, organize a flight. I was meant to do it yesterday and did not. Um, I'm hoping about the 14th of July. I would normally get there a little bit earlier, but I really just don't want to be away from home that long. Um, so, um, yeah, I think about the 14th of July, which will give me about two weeks beforehand, and then I'll just head home straight away afterwards. Ryan, are you concerned about that? She was supposed to do it yesterday. <laughs> she didn't. She was outside barefoot on the Gold Coast. She's coming on the 14th, Brian. Well, I know, Brian, you have like travel travel anxiety for these guys. I, I mean, there's some things that are that make me nervous about the international athletes coming. In the case of Kara, I think this is your 10th Games, isn't it? It's my what, 10th? I think so, yeah. No, is I it think it's my 9th. I think next year will be nine. my 10th. Incredible. Um, yeah. I don't know what's more incredible. You've done nine or Brian got something wrong. <laughs> I think it's nine now. I'm like 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Then I sat out 19, did 20. Yeah. So, oh yeah, this will be my ninth. Yeah. So um, she's got a lot of experience of traveling here before. So I think, you know, I feel more confident that she'll be ahead of the, the ball on that than some other athletes. Yeah, I'm not worried about, I know the process. It's just the, at the moment, it's just a pain. Like I had to obviously get an exemption to leave the country because we're not allowed to leave the country. Um, It's a lot more relaxed now than it was, say, six months ago. So I got that pretty quickly. I've done my visa. I've got like all of that stuff. I just literally, I think I've just been half procrastinating on the flights because I'm dreading transferring that much money over (laughs) to flights because it's so expensive. And I just... Mm. um. I had to make the very, very tricky decision to leave my daughter behind. So I've been just avoiding the decision of like booking the flight. So I think that's all it is. But um, there's flights. There's flights there and there's a couple of ways I can get over there. It's just a bit of a nightmare this year really. It's just a a mess. It's It's a bit of a mess, but at least I can get there and do something. I have to step away for one second. Brian, you have a good question for her? Don't ask her your best question. I'm gone. I'm going to wait for you to leave. <laughs> um, do you, uh, you know James Newberry pretty well? Yeah. Yeah. Has, has he already come over here to the U.S.? Yeah, I think Matty told me he came over to do the last chance qualifiers. I think because he's like with the proven team now. Um, so I think he was just kind of went into like a lockdown thing of just like training and doing that for his best chance to qualify because he missed out at the Torian Pro. Um that's just I don't really like keep up to date with a lot of stuff that's Maddie passing information on to me so hopefully it's right um but yeah just yeah right. he it's went just, over he you know, went we over were, there real quick yeah that's what I thought because and we've been you know trying to talk to as many athletes as we can because some countries have pretty like uh, it's a very, it's more difficult for them to get here than others but I knew that he had mm. done it I thought he had done it pretty early on and I'd I've been kind of vocal about, you know, if you think you have a real chance in the last chance qualifier and you have to come internationally, it might be a good idea to try to do that here. 
Because otherwise, you know, it could be something completely irrelevant to do with your fitness that prevents you from from making it to the games, like to actually physically be at the games. Yeah, well, that's right. And I mean, I've been super realistic pretty much along this whole process that, you know, I had people asking me all the time going like, oh, are you going to get over there? What's going to happen? And I'm like, I literally just have been realistic going, anything could happen at any time. I've had no expectations to be at the games or not be at the games or be at, like we almost could have had our semi-final shutdown because there was a, um, there was an outbreak in Victoria and all these athletes came from Victoria like, and they had a lockdown and they actually had to turn some people away and send them home. And the, all the whole procedure had to change. Like it could have just ended then and we could have just not even had a qualifying event. So, you know, I just like, I'm not stupid, you know, I know how the world is and I'm just like, look, at any moment in time, like I still fully expect that I could book a flight, it could be cancelled, I could be turned around, I could get COVID when I get there, I could, you know, like it's not done and I'm not there until I'm there. So I'm kind of just like ready for anything and if it happens, it happens. It's like there's no point stressing about it because like I can't control it. Like I can't control it. It's just like the world's just a little bit crazy. So I just like do each step at a time. I mean, our exemptions came through really quick. All of us athletes, it took three days, um, and and they were approved oh, for us awesome. to leave the country. Whereas beforehand, a couple of months ago, I was told people were getting knocked back one or two times before they were getting approved, and it was taking quite a long time. And then my visa, literally from the moment I made the payment to apply for the visa, it came into my inbox three minutes later. <laughs> and I was like, in 2000 and I tried to get to the games. I think it was, what it would have been, 2018 I went to get on a plane and I thought my visa was still valid and it wasn't and then they're like, and I so I applied for it at the airport. It's normally really quick and back then there were so many people traveling. They said it takes up to 72 hours. I had to go home, get on a flight the next day, hope it had come through, like, and this time it was three minutes. So, like, that, that's definitely changed a lot. Um, but, yeah, like flight prices and all that. But then, yeah, like um, – there's a lady here that um, brings her little boy to gymnastics with my daughter and uh, her husband's a professional boxer and he has to travel to the US and everything. And um, he's like so paranoid because he's like, you know, you can get over there and then you get COVID, you get, you test positive and you can't even, you can't even fight. You don't even do your competition. So I'm like, look, anything could happen. Um, I mean, they're going to test me about 5 million times from when I leave to before I compete. Um, so but yeah, they could literally go, no, you've got it. You need to go home. And I've traveled all that way and spent all that money for nothing. And it just is what it is. I, you know, I could make the choice to stay. I could not come. You know, I, I said to Maddie, if, if I was, if this was a lot earlier in my career, you know, if it was like 22, 23 year old me and I wasn't really doing too well yet, I probably would just stay home. Um, I'd just go, look, it's not worth it. It's not worth taking, you know, like taking that risk, taking all the, you know, all the cash and whatever, I'll just sit out a year. But I'm I'm definitely in the later half of my career. I've worked so damn hard to like earn the spot and um, you know, like after everything. So like I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't miss it, but it could still be, you know, well, and, and you could do really well. Point. Yeah, I could do really well and you know, I, I worked really hard for it all year and I'm like, oh I could come get some cash and come back and, you know, renovate my house a bit more. <laughs> pay my bills right. so, so is anyone coming with you from australia or are you coming along no i'm going to be totally solo so um we just like couldn't what yeah it's it's going to be will a you, big, will you have a will someone from the united states like are your coach or anything be there to, at the games um, or just doing it 
Tara. Yeah, so so Nick will be there um, as as my coach. Um, I haven't actually spoken to him about like the whole process there. I'm not sure if he has other athletes that will um, be competing that he'll be managing as well. But otherwise, yeah, I'll be solo. Um, it just we Nick couldn't who? just Fowler with Brute. Okay, is it okay? He was in Vegas. Yeah. I didn't say hi to him, but I did see him there. Yeah, um, Ryan from Romwood like sent me a photo. He's like, I found your coach at the airport or something. He <laughs> like took a selfie with him. I'm like, oh, sick. Um, but yeah, he's, he's good. So he'll like obviously be there in like a coaching capacity, but, um, but otherwise I'll be doing, yeah, I'll just be doing the trip. I have to put my big girl pants on and I've like spoken to my naturopath and like I had a call with her last night about like getting me some herbs and stuff to make sure that I'm like emotionally grounded while I'm there so I don't have meltdowns because I've like traveled by myself, I'm jet lagged, I've left my husband and my daughter and I'm like a super emotional person too. I'm very, very like attached to my family. So I'm just going to, in my eyes, I'm just going to come in, do my job and leave. Like that's, don't mess around, get it done, get out. Um, people, this is, um, this is tripping me out because when you go to the games, the top 10, the top 20, I don't know, maybe all of the, the competitors, they have someone there with a cooler. They have someone who says that grabs the athlete and says, so the athlete doesn't have to think and be like, okay, go take your ice bath. Okay. Here's your towel. Okay. Go close your eyes. I'll wake you up in 20 minutes when it's time to warm up. I mean, you need a handler. Yeah, you, for these events you have your slave. because these <laughs> yeah and the reason why you do you do is because these they're running these athletes hot i mean they're all experienced athletes but they're really being pushed to these weird all the things that you think in light you think you look at the competition you just think it's this physical exertion it's not it's an intellectual and emotional beat down and so you need to be like conserving every tiny bit of energy you can and you basically need someone just to like you're a horse, just move you around from event to event, make sure you have hay in your stall and it's the right temperature. I'm, I'm shocked that, uh, especially someone who can run as hot as you, um, you, you have in the past, um, put thrown a brick on your gas pedal. Um, your emotional and intellectual capacity is in your will is stronger than even your physical, which is kind of bizarre to even wrap your head around. Cause I think most athletes are the other way around. Um, what's Matt is Maddie concerned for you? Is he like, Jesus, you're a, she's a, she's a Ferrari and she's going to go out there and throw a brick on the gas pedal and then just put her head down and uh, drive off a cliff. The only thing he, like he wants me to get someone to like, yeah, to be my slave for the week, like be my person run around. But I'm like, and they need to be strong. They need to be strong. You are a bull too. Yeah. Let's not fucking kid ourselves. You are <laughs> yeah. a fucking Bull. Yeah, so I I just said no, I'll be fine. I'm like I'm I kind of like I don't like people helping see, me. See, see people, I, she's already saying no. That's what I mean. This <laughs> this is not a. She needs someone strong who says yes. She needs Maddie to be like no, yes, you do, and fucking put hit the button on her shot collar. The um so like the only thing he you know he normally like kind of runs. He usually just like keeps me chill, right, and runs and gets me a coffee and random stuff. But like he, the thing he's more concerned about is. We always joke about that, like, probably one of the main reasons that I've never won the games is because I always stuff up the logistics. So I'll always forget, like, oh, you have to move that or do that or, like, you know, like, there's always these little, like, logistics things. And in a workout that might be really short, it can cost you places because you've made some kind of critical error. 
and I've made lots of critical errors and he's always the guy that's like, remember to set your assault bike seat height before you go out there. I'm like, seat height, seat height. Like he's the last thing I hear before I go out. Um, but I have been like mentally preparing for weeks for like, yeah, the whole process and how I need to like, how I need to see it and how I need to step up. And I'm kind of like, not just going in like normal me. Um, I've got Dan there too. So if I need to ask like random stuff or whatever, like, you know, he might help me out and I'll have Nick obviously. Um, and he can kind of like, you know, in the way of strategy, all those things to remember or whatever. And then the rest of it, honestly, I kind of like am excited by it because for one, I always do better in times of like adversity when things are a little bit like of a struggle, I do better. Like I was an only child for a very, very long time. My mom was a single parent who worked all the time. I learned how to do things by trial and error. I've made all the mistakes and that's where I thrive. So if I have too many people around me, I actually don't like it. Like I do worse. I'm a bit of like Maddie said to me, I'm like, not, I'm not really a team player. I'm a solo. Like uh, that's how I ride. So, um, you know, obviously then there's just like my family, but I still, everything I do, I I'm pretty independent in it. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of excited by the, just kind of going with my intuition a little bit. Like I know, like I know how to eat. I know how to, I know what to do. Yeah. I just have to do it. I just have to have a plan and I need to like test my like resiliency and my attitude and like to stay level. Um, plus technically I usually have me and my daughter. So, I have way less to think about. I have so much more headspace. I've freed up a whole person. So, um, yeah, I don't have to. That's a good way to look at yeah, it. Yeah, I don't. I think it's all about your perception. And even even the moving for those of you who haven't been to Madison, it's it's um it's a remarkable event. But they move the athletes around so much, and there's so much access to the athletes. And it's even just having someone there who's like, well, people are trying to take pictures with you. Or, I mean, the, or get your autograph or whatever that you're going to get mobbed there because of who you are. Um, do you almost need a handler to play the bad cops? Just grab you by your hand and drag you through from, you know, I mean, I know they do a pretty good job at that, but part of the experience there is to let all the fans get really, really close. You know, after every event, people can grab you, touch you, ask for pictures. I mean, it, Man, I'm thinking about going and just being your handler. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I've de- that was one thing I was like kind of worried about because I um was setting up our like my business is going to be there um setting up our eyewear and they were like oh you know my partners were like oh can you go to the stand and you know do an appearance at some point and I was kind of like oh fuck no probably not <laughs> um like I don't want I said you know they I mean Madison there's so much access I would have to get there by myself I'm like I wouldn't even have Maddie there so I'd just be like wandering around the you know the village the vendor village or whatever by myself um so that was definitely one thing because people do they get like yeah oh, you can't do yeah. that you, you'll get no, you'll get crushed. You could never go into Vendor Village. You would get no. You would never make it out to the next event. I know. So I was like, and it would that would. And they'd pull the clothes off of you and shit, like the Beatles. <laughs> they'd rip your clothes off. You show up to the next event naked. But yeah, that would be stressful. So yeah, I um, I just like we'll stick with some. I'll just like. I don't know, third wheel on like a little group or whatever when they walk. I'm not like, and the the other thing too is like. Yeah, you kind of need, I know it's part of the experience to like see the athletes. And if I have the ability to, like, if I'm not like hustling to an event or anything like that, you know, I'll smile and wave and be friendly or whatever. But like, realistically, we're there to do a job too, right? Like, and you, um, I think it's important that the, the spectators and the fans understand that like for them to have a show to watch, they have to let us do our process. And every athlete is really different. Um, 
And there's no, like, I always say this, like, cause people always go like, oh, is one athlete like nicer than the other behind the scenes? And I'm like, well, like, yeah, kind of, but everyone has their own process. Like some people need to be real kind of like bitchy and in the, in the zone. Other people are like real, they cope by, yeah. by laughing and, you know, telling jokes and whatever. I'm like, there's no right or wrong. It's just like whatever they need to get the most out of themselves for that weekend in that environment. Um, and then, you know, we're different people like outside that, but like, you just got to do what you got to do to like, do something better than most people in the world can. And um, so like if I have to be a little bit bad cop and be like, sorry, I can't stop right now. Like I just got to do that. Like I'm here to do a job. I'm not going to waste. I'm not going to leave my family, the most important people to me and come over to please everyone else. Like I'm coming over to do me, like not waste it. And like I said, get home. <laughs> like, you know, they're those people too. Like they're the fans and they're definitely um, a huge part of like our sport obviously would no sport would exist without the fans and, and without them. But, you know, I'm also the one that's the only one in the gym training every day, you know, like doing all that crap. So, um, you know, I, I kind of deserve that. I, I, I have, th- I have three questions for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to forget any of them. I want to talk about the eyeglasses mm-hmm. and about what it's like, um, sh- starting a business and let alone having the business be at the games. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about, uh, the sacrifice kind of the obligation you also have to work your hardest um, because of how much your family has. I don't want to say sacrifice because I hate that word because it kind of compartmentalizes your life and it's not compartmentalized there they you guys are all in this ride together, but you are the horse that they've invested so much energy in, including your newborn daughter. But I want to start with this question. You say that you're an only child and that, you, you, you're okay doing the solo thing, but actually, as I recall from hanging with you at the games, what is very unique about you is you do hang with the other athletes, but you hang with the dudes. <laughs> I would remember you hang with the dudes. You're see, you're more one of the dudes than you are one of the chicks. Yeah. Is that, is that an accurate assessment? Yeah. Yeah. Is that an Australian trait or is that a car Sanders trait or what's the deal there? Oh uh, yeah. Probably more just a me trait. I, um, I definitely, I don't think I necessarily like consider myself. I'm very much a, uh, like, you know, Maddie always says I'm very much a girl. Like I still am like outside of the fact that I'm always like, you know, sweaty and gross and training and throwing down, doing a very like masculine activity for lack of a better term. Um, I am very much a girl and like girly things, but, I definitely um, feel a lot more like chill and just comfortable and me around boys because there's less drama. I just don't cope with the drama. Um, and clumps of women, like just, I, I don't know. I It's not even just drama. It's like a lot of female chat is like just really like shallow and I don't know, just like I'm always like in my head, I'm always busy. I'm always doing something. And so like I just don't have time for like random stuff. I just like that. I don't know. I feel more comfortable around men, I guess, because they're kind of like, it just is what it is. And if they've got nothing to say and well, they're over it, they're just like, I got nothing to say and I'm over it. And I'm like, okay, cool. I pay that. Um, <laughs> it doesn't bother me. There's no like emotion behind it. Um, and so I think, yeah, that's why I feel. And that's why like I have definitely have girlfriends and there's, there's girls that I feel a little bit easier. Like it's a little bit easier for me to connect to because they're kind of, a, they're like that too. Like, you know, your Briggsies, you know, she's just like, is how she is, you know, take it or leave it. And it's cool to be, it's okay to be different. You don't have to be the same, but um, yeah, that's probably, that's probably the only reason why I just, I just generally like generally get along with men a little bit better. 
You you are. Um, I, I watched a ton of your videos on your YouTube channel. You're definitely very feminine. You always have the beautifully waxed and lotion legs, <laughs> and you have all the fucking beautiful girly clothes that make you look make your body look insane. <laughs> Thank um, you. Yeah. Um, and your videos, the editing of your videos, where a lot of the women are going for like this this sort of techno hard hitting i'm a badass and i like those i'm not i'm not digging those yours is kind of more like like romper room or peewee's playhouse you have like you're trying to do a handstand workout that's serious and there's a dog biting you and a baby <laughs> grabbing you and it's got like this really like chill music that's like pianos like something like you play for your kid while they're you know coloring yeah. and so you have that your videos have this mom vibe to it not this savage athlete who just has the crazy base base baseline you know yeah well like so, I, so you, you are doing that i think like uh like the the savage athlete is already there like it's already in me right that's why i do what i do like that you know if i need to bring the heat and need to throw down i can bring it so i don't really need anything on the outside to get me going if i did i probably am not like i'm not like a i'm not an athlete like i've it's it's in it, in my eyes it's in me um and then, but like, I do my best when I'm chill. Like if I'm like, have no stress, like no expectations and I'm just chill and I do me, like I'm really fit, I'm real strong, I train hard. So if I can just show up in my most like just chill and level, like as my most chill and level self, that's when I do my best. When I stress or things are like too angsty, I just don't do very well. Um, I've, I've got a lot of like internal fire and like energy and it just like revs me too high. So normally I just kind of like bring everything down and that's, yeah, that's where I like to be. And then, yeah, like I have, you know, dogs around and a kid around. That's not, that's not for the, that's not for YouTube. Like that's just real. That's just how it goes. And, um, yeah, I know like people are always like, Oh, like, how do you do it? Or what do you do? I'm like, well, you just, you just do like you just, that's just what I have with me. So I'm going to, I'm not going to stop. I like what I do and it's my job. So, but yeah, it's definitely more gonna, chill vibes. I'm going to say something that's going to piss some people off here. Okay. And I, I realize it's my biased one-sided opinion, but the, the chatter amongst the women at the games is significantly more superficial and driven by nervous energy. There's a lot of like uncomfortable giggling. There's a lot of like, just talk that's like, feel that feels like it's just to talk, to feel, fill the silence mm -hmm. where I don't get that from the men's side. If they want to be quiet, like someone like Ben Smith, they're quiet. If they want to talk, fuck, they'll just look right over at you and be like, fuck, you're like in the warm up area. They'll just look over and be like, hey, you're doing your warm up squat wrong. Do you think you're going to win the game with that? And they just rip on each other. Uh -huh. I mean, it's just fucking savagery back there. Yeah. It's just real and, though, uh, right? Like it's just nice yeah, to know. Yeah, it's nice to so, know where you stand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. I think For it's, sure. I, I, and I think it's just, that's just kind of like how girls are a little bit more. And if they get a little bit nervous or whatever, they're just like, and I think I noticed too what happens is like a lot of the, I think it would happen more so in like the, in the like rookie girls every year, like maybe some haven't been there as much or whatever. They're more concerned about having the other girls like them and like being, mm. you know, like pals or whatever than like, and, like, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, I definitely don't want to like go and be rude to anyone, but I'm like, oh, it's cool. Like you can not like me. 
that's okay too. Like, you know, not, right. not, whatever it takes for you to win. Yeah. Like I'm just, I'm here to, whatever mindset you want. Yeah, yeah. And then like when we get off it, like I'm just doing what I'm going to do. And then like, you know, if we go to a dinner or whatever, like after the games, I'm going to be like, Hey, and then still some people just don't like some people. And that's okay. <laughs> that's not bad. Um, like that's why, that's yeah. why some people like click and date or whatever. And others don't, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, that, that's sort of like one thing I sort of observe and I'm like, oh man, I just like, I just, I'm just there kind of like doing me, doing my own thing. If someone asks me a question or whatever, I'm not going to not answer it. I'm not going to like be rude and snap or like, you know, tell them to fuck off or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, the boys are definitely just a little bit more like they just, they just, it's like, it's like, so it's basic. Like dudes are basic. I feel this, so I'm just going to do this. Girls are like this big complex, like (laughs) just, is it's not are there any girls who fall in are there any women who fall into that category with you i was going to throw a name out there of another another female but i don't want to say it until you say it i mean i'll (laughs) tell you who i think it is who's also just like holy shit she's real as fuck and she's cool as shit is is there anyone you can think of where you're just like yeah that chick's got it um she's more like me um like currently competing I, I think she's currently competing. I think she went through that. She's going to have to go through the last chance qualifier. I don't know. It's Sam Briggs. Oh, yeah. But I was like, Sam Briggs seems so comfortable in her skin to me. Yeah. Yeah. Briggsy's just like, she's, uh, yeah, she 100% is. And I think, and she's English, ironically. Yeah. We have like a very similar, like, um, I guess a similar nature. We're, we're different, but like, you know, Aussies and then, um, yeah, people from like the UK have like a really similar kind of character, a similar humor and things. Um, so yeah, she's, I feel like she's super easy to be around because again, she just does, she's kind to everyone, but she does what she just needs to do. She's, we always joke around about it. I'm like, you're so much nicer. Like when people come in, when she like, you know, is training with me at the gym or whatever and people come and ask her for photos and stuff and they interrupt her and they be a pest and she's just like so patient and goes along. She's like, it's all good. And I'm like, fuck, that's so annoying. I'm in the middle of the set. Like I'm the cranky one. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like, oh, fine. Like, you know, we joke around, but she's just like, yeah, she's just good. She's just herself and just cruises along and, you know, still she'll be still competing at like eighty years old or something, just like crushing goals. She has like a she has like a motherly vibe. I, I would think that every year she's been there, she should have won the Spirit of the Games. I, I mean, I've said that before, but like she does, she seems to be yeah, yeah. She definitely has like a she's just so like um she's like like patient and wise. You know, like she's just mm-hmm. super patient, just like, and she just like is really dedicated. Nothing bothers her. Like, you know, like I said, like I'm kind of like erratic. I'll be like, oh, I'm fucking sore and this is falling apart. I'm cranky today. And, you know, like, and she's just like, just turn up, did my work. It's all good. Life's good. Nice to people. <laughs> like just, she's just so good. She definitely has like a, yeah, just like a real chill, like kind of nurturing vibe. And then she's like an animal in the workout. It's so funny. <laughs> So you have a, a sunglass business. Yes. Are those your two primary things? You're a you're a you're a CrossFit athlete, and you you're running a, a global sunglass sunglass business. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much the main thing I um, am doing. We kind of like set that up. Um, I always wanted to do something outside. Like, I, so I made a call back in my early days of CrossFit, and I didn't complete my university degree, and I I stayed with CrossFit. Um, and I just chose, I always said, I was like, I'm just going to ride this wave. And I was like, look, I can come back to it if I ever want to come back to it. So it's not a problem. Um, 
And I actually did try and study when Scotty was like really little and Maddie was like, something's got to give. You can't stay up late and study and then get up with a baby and then train. Like it's too much. It's not the time. Um, but uh, I gave that up and I wanted something like outside of this sport because like I said, being an athlete for one, it can end at any time. Um, you know, like there's no, you could get injured or just not be good enough anymore or whatever and then like the party stops. So um, I never wanted to like, yeah, just sort of like be stressed and like cannot have anything to go to, not have something else that's like driving me and something else to do and something else to like bring in. Obviously income is like a huge thing, like a job. So I pretty much, um, yeah, set it up as something that was really fun that I really enjoy and also set myself up a job for, um, you know, post CrossFit. And how is that? How is the business? I mean, tell me about it. It's good. How how old is it? We, do you do you love sunglasses? How did you choose sunglasses? Did sunglasses <laughs> choose you? A little bit of all of the above. Um, so we are just coming up to our first birthday. So we launched right in the middle of the peak of the pandemic in July. So it you know everything kind of went us up in March, and then we had these plans to launch. It kept getting pushed back, pushed back because you know something always gets in the way. It's like renovations and they drag out. And, uh, we sort of sat down and had to make a call and I was like, let's go full steam ahead. We've put all this work in. I said, um, let's just make it really fun when we launch. Let's give, um, people something to get excited about. We did these, like, I can't remember how many there were, but we did like a ton of really big giveaways, um, with like assault runners and random stuff. And we were like, people are online. They're scared. They're like, you know, it's a really uncertain time. We're like, let's just make it really fun and make ourselves like memorable as well. Um, since we're launching in a really, really tricky time where people don't know whether to spend money or not spend money or whatever. And, um, and we're like, look, and let's give them also something to like their sunglasses to work out. So if they're at home in their garage and they're not feeling motivated, we'll like give them out to people and, and all that kind of stuff. So we went ahead in July. We're coming up to our first birthday. Um, we're doing really well. We've got a small team. Um, it started pretty much with a, a guy that I met, uh, years and years ago. Um, very entrepreneurial, has other businesses, does really well. Also just like a really good human. He's a dad of three. He like is a very hands-on dad. His kids are at work with him all the time and he's, you know, out doing outdoor activities with them all the time. Just like a really, really good human. And, um, and he kind of like, we just sort of clicked on like a, on a personal and a business sort of level. And then, um, you know, we were talking about maybe doing something. And then one day he was like, you know, he was trying to do his dad workouts out the front of his garage and he's doing GHDs and his sonnies are coming off and, you know, it was like really bright. And he's like, oh man, this is really annoying. And then he's called me, he always calls me with these random crazy ideas. Like 99% of them are just wild and never go ahead. And then this one, I was like, yeah, man, I love it. I'm like, that's cool. Let's roll with this. And, um, and we live in Australia. It's like always sunny. And obviously like we're in the sport of like fitness and we were like, let's do this. So we just threw ourselves in and um, we've got like a really tiny team. We need more people. We're busy. We need more hands. Um, at some point I'm going to need to go into it a little bit more and work it more um, because I have so many ideas and so much stuff I can drive, but there's just only so much I have of me to give right now. And um, we're very understanding of that within the business for the moment that I'm still doing my competing and, and all of that kind of stuff that's really important. Um and then, yeah, I'll kind of like eventually I will step over to that like in a, in a greater capacity and then, yeah, like 
steer that ship essentially. So, but it's doing really well. It's being well received. We could, if I was there more, if I had more time, we'd probably be doing even better again, but we're just working with what we have. Um, and yeah, it's good. It's fun as far as the business goes, like sunglasses. It's not. What's the name of the sunglasses company? Active. It's A-C-T-I-V, Active Eyewear. Um, and what's the guy's name? The, the guy with the three kids? Dan. There's another Dan. Dan. What's his last name? Elenadef. I struggle to say it. It's, <laughs> he, he's, he, he sounds like... He sounds like the me of the podcast world. Yeah. I'm the world's great. I'm the world's greatest dad who has a podcast. Yeah, that's pretty much it. He's like, he's always turning up with one to three of the children. It just depends on which one or two or three that you're going to get, depending on what his wife needs to do and whatever. Like he's, he's good. He's kind of like, and he's, he's tired. He's a tired man. He's working really hard. He's working, he's scaling his other business and, still like, you know, dedicating time with his wife and trying to get in little moments away wherever they can and still raise their kids. And, um, yeah, he's good. So like, they're the kind of people that I guess I align with. And, um, so yeah, we just do the best we can. And we're definitely like a family, a family oriented business. We have another partner. Um, then there's two other people that are, that have come in and we all have kids like, so one of the other guys has three boys and then um, AJ who works our day-to-day, he has two little girls um, that he looks after. So we're all like, we all kind of just help each other out where we need to. We kind of can pick each other up, pick each other, slack up wherever we need to and get things done. So yeah, now we're going to be at the CrossFit Games, which is super exciting. I, uh, yeah, I didn't was it difficult to get a, Was it difficult to get a spot at the Games or how you was that process tough? Honest, honestly, I've had absolutely no part in that process. <laughs> I've done none of it. Um, so Dan and AJ did all of that kind of stuff. Um, they've sort of set up that, that connection and all of those kind of things. So, um, I, at the moment, they're kind of letting me just go and do my thing. And, um, which is really hard for me to write because like my business is going to be at the games for the first time, but, and I'm the only person there. They're not going to be there. I'm not going to have anyone. And I know that my business is over sitting there, but like I need to compete. So that's where I'm like, I, you know, it's like, it's like your baby. It's your baby, like over sitting in the area and you've got to just leave it and trust that it's okay. Um, but they've set all of that up and I'm just like, yeah, cool. Active's here. Um, I think you're smart. I think you you don't make a commitment ever to go to the booth. You fucking completely blow it off. And then when you get there after like the third event that you you won, you fucking something clicks in your brain and you run over there and you're like, oh, my God, you guys, I'm so excited to have you at my sunglass booth. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what I mean? But you just, yeah, you know, I mean, I do that all the time. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this knowing somewhere that like I might do it, but I can't have the commitment in my no, brain. No, no, no. That's what I said. I'm I like, have it. yeah, I said, look, I, I yeah. can't. And like the way the games goes too, like they could be like, I don't know if I'm going to have three hours break. I don't know if I'm going to have one. I don't know what events I'm going to do to the final hour. I don't know if I'm going to go get drug right. tested in between there and go, Oh, I've committed to, um, no, right. it's too much. It's too much. So like they, they're fine. They understand that they had to ask a question and I have to like educate them on my process. Cause they don't really know what that game's process is like. Um, and then, and it's, and maybe you'll test positive for COVID and you can spend the entire time in vendor. Yeah, village. legit. I'll just be like crying through my sunglasses. For a couple <laughs> <of days. laughs> I just think it's funny that you can test positive, but then go to the village. Uh, is that, is that legit? I, I mean, for me, it is. I don't, I wouldn't give a fuck. Fuck oh, you. Man. <laughs> I take, I take, I take care of myself. I think you could drink a gallon of SARS CoV 2 and be fine. <laughs> 
what is your um what what were you strongest at the last time you were at the games what would be like your your ideal workout and is that the same kind of workout you'd like now like would you like you know uh typically do or or have you changed uh so back then i would typically do well in like chipper style workouts something with like I get bored easy. So things that change a lot is good. I hate like the repetition of like five rounds. I like, cause you know, I always say to, to Maddie, I like my pain to be entertaining. Like I, I, I need the workout to be kind of fun and like while I'm hurting to kind of like get lost in it. If it's really like repetitive, that's why I hate long runs. I could probably be a lot better at long runs, like not, not too much better because I'm definitely not really built for it. But, um, but I just am so bored. Like I'm just, but you're still good, man. I've, I've worked on it a lot. You're so good at long. I've, you're so good at long workouts. I've worked um, regardless. I've definitely worked on that a lot. Um, but yeah, typically I like I like a chipper. My favorite CrossFit workout of all time in the CrossFit Games was a Triple G chipper. It was one of the only times that I think I could ever say that I was in the zone, like really in the zone where like I didn't know I knew everything that was around me, but I wasn't paying attention to anything. Like, but somehow I knew. Like, it was just this most like blissful like memory, like the most blissful feeling, like I think I've ever had in competition. Um, and I love, I love that kind of workout. I still love that kind of workout for sure. Something that really like progresses along the field and you do one thing and then you do a new thing and you keep, keep going that way. Um, I typically do well with, um, so some always, I still do well, whether I like it or not. I don't necessarily love it, but I do well when there's a barbell cycled at a relatively like slightly heavier weight. I'm not, I don't have the super heaviest one RMs, but like that just under like that heavy weight, I can just go until I die. Like I can just keep turning it over and over and over and my body just never stops. Um, so something like that paired with something else. So, you know, with something high skill or, um, you know, like with a bike or something like that, or a row is, is kind of something that's, or I'm randomly like pretty good at chest of bar pull ups. That's, that's, yeah. It's like, if it was like a chest of bar pull up and, you know, barbell cycle, like snatch or something, that's probably a pretty, pretty good workout for me still to this day. Whether I train it or not, it's just what my body likes. Buy a couple at one, the last event you won at the CrossFit Games. Yeah, that was, uh, by a couplet. Was that the, oh yeah, it was like, um, the, it was light snatch though, right? That barbell, it was like kind of like a power snatch and then it had like, um, Chester bars. And then the other one had like snatch and bar muscle ups or something. Um, yep. is that that one? Yeah. I remember why I won that one too was, um, the other girls got caught up in a race and they didn't see me coming. And I remember I was just like cruising doing my thing and they, they were like making each other frantic and they were like battling the two of them. And they just like, they got so caught up looking at one other competitor that they forgot that there were another eight on the field. And, um, and I was like just doing my strategy and I knew where they were and they were like kind of pushing to like, um, you know, and, and technically like it's, it's an edge that I don't have because they will be like really competitive and they're like, I'll, I'll try the one more. I'll take the risk and just go, but it backfired. And then I was down the side and went, Ooh, and like just came through. So, um, that was fun. Who, who were the two girls? I think it was Tia and Katrin maybe. I think they like, they were like battling. And like, I, I do say this too. Like, I definitely will give them credit for like a, a I guess a, a competitive skill that I lack is that I'm not always really great at going like, I'll take the gamble and I'll push that last thing. Sometimes it'll come out in me every now and again, but I lack that fire. Um, I still am like, Oh, I'll be a little bit cautious and 
you know, play to my strategy. And then like, you know, say at Torian Pro, the event where I came sixth, I was way too cautious. And then I finished the, the workout and I was like, oh, that was stupid. I'm like, I like, I'm not even tired. I just expected myself to blow up and I wasn't willing to take a risk. And so I ended up just being slow. Um, what, what does Maddie say about that to you? Um, yeah, like, I mean, he, or what does Nick say to you? Either uh, nothing really too much. I don't think, uh, you know, Maddie just kind of like listens to my stories and then he'll like, sometimes he'll be like, yeah, like he, he'll kind of tell me like I'm better at something. Like I've, I struggle when I've improved at something to realize I've improved at it. And I'll always like live off the hang up, like the hang up of that. I wasn't as great at it. And so, um, you know, I had a conversation with Nick after Torian about that workout specifically. And I said, I need a couple of things in training that push me out of my comfort zone with like, um, with kind of like reckless abandonment kind of feels, you know, like I need you to like make me have to do something unbroken and then go into something else because I need to know my body and understand where my limitations are a little bit more where I can't strategize. And so I've, uh, since then he's like, yep, that that's good. That makes perfect sense. I give him that feedback and then he'll give me workouts where like, you know, it's 15 or so muscle ups straight into something where like I have to go unbroken and then try and perform and then see if I actually can. Cause in my brain I go, okay, I'll break that up into like two sets, have a quick break. And then I'll be able to do the handstand pushups quicker. But in reality I do them unbroken and then I get down and I do the handstand pushups the same speed, but, and I didn't need that break, but I don't know that until I test that. So, um, yeah, I just have to, under- I just right. have to understand that weakness in myself. And then I just tell Nick and then he just, he, he adjusts my program accordingly um, based off my feedback and then obviously what he's viewed from the outside in. Carl, when I was watching the Torian Pro, I was I was pretty impressed with Ellie Turner. But also mm-hmm. as I was watching her, I was thinking to myself, this reminds me of like almost a young Cara Saunders or Cara Webb. And then I look back at the results from the weekend and actually your results and hers mirrored each other very much in the sense that events you did well on, she did well on, and events that you had your worst performances on were her worst performances so one is i was wondering if you noticed that or not at all and two have you gotten any sense or feel from her or any of the other young young aussie girls that they're like uh, excited to be out there competing with you have they told you they look up to or were inspired by you to get into this sport um so to answer the first question yeah I i definitely did notice that there was um like a little bit of um, the same kind of strengths and weaknesses with Ellie. Um, I kind of just put it down to she seems like a bit of like a heavier set. I don't know how you call a female, like heavier set without like being offensive in CrossFit. It's like we're a bit thicker, right? (laughs) We're a bit thicker, a bit heavier, like she's strong. Um, And so I definitely kind of resonated with that. So then things like climbing up the rope, especially because she's so young, she just needs time. Um, and you kind of get better at those things. But then when you're a little bit heavier, like I've always been like around 10 kilos or like 25 pounds heavier than all the other girls in the field bar a very select few. So I've had to work pretty hard to over time to either, I had two options, either become a lot less strong and try and be as light as possible without dying or just get stronger and be able to move my body weight around. And that just has taken years and years and years and still like something like a legless rope climb or whatever. I'm just going to be a little bit behind because I'm just real heavy. Um, and I think Ellie's a little bit like that in the earlier days. So she'll just kind of like get better and just excel and, um, and she'll, she'll be good, but she's also naturally like quite strong in certain things as well. Like, you know, she was sitting next to me on a rower and she was just like in the, um, like triathlon event and she was just 
beasting it. You know, she was just so strong on that thing. Um, so I was like looking over at her pace trying to keep it. I was like, I can't keep it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so she was, she well, was kind of crazy. Um, you know, it's a 45 minute workout and she beat you by 12 seconds. So it was like a pretty close race for a long workout. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, um, it was close. We were all like super similar. I actually, um, so that was the only workout I did in training that I practiced and it was mainly just for pacing. Cause I hadn't sort of tested something like that in a while. Um, but in training the row, when I got to the row, it was like really easy. And I was like, Oh, this row feels amazing. And I was like pulling the thing real hard. And then out in the event, I got, you know, I don't do well in heat. We know 2015, I didn't do well in heat. <laughs> the sun was like beaming through the stadium on the, on the run. I was right in the middle and everyone's like, Oh, you poor thing. You needed your sunnies out there because it was like just beaming down on me on that and the bike. Cause I was in the middle lane and it was just the time of day that it came through the stadium. And then I just felt like so cooked and so hot by the time I got to the row. And I was just like, Oh, I was like so lethargic and I was like struggling to pull a decent pace at all. Um, I think maybe I probably didn't fuel accordingly too. I think I, I being the first event, I, we sat around a lot in the day. I don't think I fueled properly like right before the event and that um, affected me a little bit. And so I kind of like my tank emptied by the time I got to the row and she was so strong on the row. She just had more to give. Um, and so she kind of made up a fair bit of time there too. Um, but um, yeah. And then uh, so for part two of your question, um, I don't know when like I sort of said that they've like watched me or looked up to me. I mean, I don't think, I don't know if anyone does. I think you kind of feel too nervous or whatever anyway, but, or I don't know if they do like, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I definitely don't think about that. <laughs> Brian, they were comparing, Brian, they were comparing, um, Cara or Danny Spiegel to Cara a lot on the commentary at the West coast classic. Do you think that's a fair comparison? For some reason, I didn't think that that was a very good comparison. Well, I mean, you heard what Cara just said, she's usually competing, you know, 15 to 25 pounds heavier than the average girl at the field. And Danny Spiegel is definitely going to be in the same category, at least in terms of that metric. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's probably Uh, those similarities that I think that we get, that we get likened to like that we have that same kind of like, we're in that category. Like I, I said to Maddie when she was like almost not qualifying, where I was, I was watching the leaderboard. I'm like, I need you to qualify because I need you to come and like wedge some points between certain events for me in like some of those like similar where we will be able to like, you know, maybe move a heavier barbell on repeat or whatever. It's like weight moves weight too, right? And, and what's interesting in 2015, um, that, that was the year you did cross the finish line. Um, that was that Murph. That you crashed the finish line and, and blacked out? Yes. And you had to be stretched yes, off? Yes, that was Murph. Yeah. yeah. And, and what's interesting, I guess, in, in, to, to counter my argument, it, what, it, in the run event, I don't know if you saw what happened to Danny Spiegel. I still haven't seen the video. I've only heard reports. But basically, she was run. it was a bunch of 1,500-meter runs with uh, ruck runs carrying heavier and heavier weight with each 1,500 meters. And in the final... Uh, ruck run of 1500 meters where she couldn't, I guess when she picked up the 45, 40 pound bag, the medical staff saw her look punch drunk, I guess. And she was, uh, she was taken off. They didn't let her finish. I'm looking right here. She was capped. Mm. So that's interesting. Yeah. I guess the difference is, is you made it across either the medical staff was worse at the games that year and they didn't pull you off in time 
or <laughs> or you have a little more in the gas tank than Danny Spiegel. Yeah, there's there's like um, it's funny. I did so much research after that because I got really really sick when I got home after <laughs> that. Like I was not like I finished the games obviously, and when I went to see my doctor, I had like all these kind of random symptoms and stuff, and um. She was like, you pretty much have like cooked your internal organs and they're just not working the way that they're supposed to work now. And so I still am quite heat sensitive. Like I'm still really mindful of it because I've done damage in that workout. Um, and I did a bit of research about it and about people with like um, more muscle mass. Like we're obviously just generating so much more heat. And in, a, in an event like that, especially like every time I turn my legs over that weigh like, you know, a lot of my body weight between my legs is so heavy. Like I have so much muscle mass in my legs Um, and through my body is it just, it was just like cooking me. Like I think we're just, when you're a little bit heavier, you literally are just, you're generating so much heat. Um, And uh, there's obviously a lot of other factors involved, but um, yeah, that was, that was not fun. So I can definitely like sympathize with her on that. I listened to a, I don't know if I was listening to an audio book or, it was something I was listening to anyway. And they were talking about, um, you know, how your body has like a mechanism to just like shut you down to obviously keep you alive if stuff is going down. Um, and you will like normally stop. And then there's, um, oh yeah, it was this professor from Harvard. He like did this, he does these like YouTube videos. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. And he was talking about like heat and cold treatment for, um, performance and stuff like that. And then he said, and then there's some people who have this ability to, overwrite that like um that mechanism to like shut your will down where like deep down you're like gonna go anyway and he's like and they're the people that like that can hold their breath and they'll actually pass out instead of most people will hold their breath and they'll go like (gasps) and they'll gasp for air um and I feel like I unfortunately have the <laughs> the first one where I can like override it. And then, <laughs> and then something like Murph, yeah, it probably would have been nice in hindsight if someone had to come and drag me off. But um, they were obviously like we're running out away from everyone. So I just don't know, like someone sees you for a second and then you disappear. And then, um, yeah, it was just like a little too late. But that was, yeah, that was not fun. That was... <laughs> We we woke you up at five thirty this morning. Five. I it's was now up at five. Seven AM. <laughs> Sorry at five. So you so you could get your face on all that makeup and hair. Clearly. Hair, hair work. I'm still done. in my pajamas on yes, here. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Um, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's nice uh, to see you again. I apologize. Yeah, great seeing you too. I apologize for all the difficulties it took to set this up. Um you will be I, when I when I watch the games. I only watch the heats of the people that I really like, and I will make sure to watch the heats you're in because I really like watching you perform. So thank See you. See me crying in the in the backstage because between events. But I like all the versions of you. I like all the versions. You got to feel you. your feels. <laughs> Ryan, now you say something. Oh yeah, no, yeah this and was great. I, I'm, uh, I'm really happy to hear that all the athletes you said in Australia have gotten you know, at least the first steps going to be able to get over here. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that they'll all come. I think that each of them has a, a unique thing to offer to the games field this year. And, uh, you know, certainly excited to have you back out there. It's been a couple of years since we've seen you compete, you know, live against the best women in the world. And I can't wait to see what you can do. Thank you. I'm so keen. Can't wait. <laughs>